Hi, Samir. Hi, Nathan. How's God been working in your life lately? Man, God's been good. God's been working in my mindset. Okay. How so? In the, the way that we perceive what's going on. And a lot of us are scared, a lot of us are worried, anxious, but the word that's been reoccurring in my life has been opportunity. Okay. The word opportunity, this is an opportunity in my ministry, there's an opportunity in the church. For the church, there's an opportunity for business, entrepreneurs, and it's been really a, a word that I've been really just preaching, and God has been speaking to me a lot about that word. Who have you been preaching that word to? Man, everyone that comes in my conference around me, whoever's around me gets to hear a little snippet of what I believe is about the times that we're in. Okay. If I might ask, what kind of opportunities do you see here? Man, opportunities and obviously with the stocks. Stocks are low, so if people are wanting to invest, it's never been a better time. Home market is low. People want to buy homes, flip homes, or even just buy a home for their own selves. This is the best time ever to buy a home. Like maybe two, three years ago, it wasn't this cheap, not only in mortgage rates but in everything it's cheap right now it's an opportunity there to buy a home for your own family and your kids for the future uh it's an opportunity in the church and this is one that i don't think a lot of people have even tapped into and it's in in past times you know the responsibility to minister so let me give context so i'd serve in the youth ministry and i help in the children's ministry and i serve in Harvard church but one of the issues we've been noticing is that everyone is depending on leaders like the pastor sam pastor or me to teach the word and to nourish them and provide guidance and provide guidance but uh this is, gives an opportunity with the isolation that is being brought forth by the virus it forces people to self-nourish themselves so the opportunity in what i've been preaching to pastor sam and is that we can actually set an example for all these people online and how to have little pockets of fellowship how to self-nourish one another read the bible together to pray together even in the youth ministry a lot of their parents don't do devotions with their kids because they know that the kids have their own service and the adults have their own service but now it's because the kids and the, and the parents are together in the home because they're forced to self-isolate they can't be lazy anymore they can't be lazy and i'm pushing them to say no you gotta need to do devotions together it's never been just to go to a church and to go to two different services it was like the family was the unit and that god they need to self nourish the family the, the parents have to nourish the kids and the youth and they have to do devotions they have to pray with one another and i don't see that no more as much i don't see parents doing that with their kids just having faith conversations and religion conversations on the dinner table because it's like they know that they could just take them to youth group you know and that's done with the youth leaders so it's an opportunity many ways spiritually financially and but we need to change our mindset we need to shift from panic and anxiety and fear to what is god doing how can i come behind what god's doing how can i use this opportunity to better other people and better my life situation and uh, it, it takes a shift of mindset okay how's god been working in life before I answer that question, yes. I just want to make it clear to all of our listeners that all the podcasts that we've recorded before were recorded before the uh, coronavirus really started to impact us. Mm -hmm. If you're listening to those episodes and thinking to yourself, well, 
that's weird. Why is it that Nathan and Samir seem so calm and relaxed? It's not just because we have the spirit of God within us. Mm -hmm. It's because we were totally ignorant that what was going to happen in like two or three weeks was going to really affect us. But to answer your question of how God has been working in my life, I would say there have been two ways. Uh, the first way is that in the aftermath of this virus hitting and causing widespread panic among everyone, numerous deaths across the entire world, I started getting in touch with people I know. And I don't just know people here in Canada. I know people over in the States, over in Europe. And it's it's been very draining seeing the state that some people are in. But at the same time, I've had a chance to reconnect with people I haven't spoken to in years. Uh, I've had the chance to rebuild friendships that had been destroyed. And I, I kind of get the feeling that as, as much as everyone is scared out of my, their minds right now, we're all facing the same crisis. And we're all in this together. And as long as we maintain that mindset of what's affecting me here is the same thing that's affecting someone, say, in Ireland or China or Australia, then there's the potential for great things to happen. We can't go anywhere. We can't do anything. But we're all connected by the internet. And we all know what's happening to each other mm. we can keep tabs on each other we can keep each other accountable mm. we can uh share love and support with each other and and so like i think that's probably the biggest way that god has been working my life a more specific example that i would want to give is about a month ago after being unemployed for several weeks i finally got a job working as an education assistant and now all the schools are closed down here in the province we live in and now I'm, I'm back to being out of a job uh, which kind of sucks but I have the chance to reapply for employment insurance and there, there, there are just things that connected together that allowed me to process that application in a timely manner that probably wouldn't have been the case had I chosen to do it earlier. I needed to print out a specific paper and I wanted to go to the Income Support Center in order to be able to do that because available printers right now, they're kind of low in availability. And you recommended that I go to church in order to print off the papers. And I was like, that seems kind of a ways away. I don't know if I'm necessarily going to be able to print off the paper and then go over to Service Canada and then get the paper processed. But it turned out that there was actually a Service Canada that was 10 minutes away from the church and the line up there, it wasn't too long. I managed to get in fairly quickly. I got all my questions answered and it's not something I have to worry about that much for the next couple weeks. Apparently there's supposed to be a, a three-week delay for the EI to fully come through, but even then there are already so many uh, financial handouts that are coming from the government and I was in a place where I felt like I was going to be financially struggling for the next few months and even though my plans have completely been destroyed, I think I'm going to be able to stay afloat and I, I, I think I'm not going to be able to just survive but also thrive. What are you looking forward to in this time of quarantine <laughs> <or> self-isolation? <laughs> uh, what I'm looking forward to the most is probably 
taking some time to focus on learning computer programming languages because that's a marketable skill that I need to develop. I'm hoping to work on my art skills a little bit and yeah, just continue to work on the things that I, I should have been doing for these last couple of months, but didn't because I was so worried about everything else going on in my life. Mm, that's beautiful man that's good that's a good it's, it's i think i'm in the same boat as you in the sense that i'm taking this time that we're given I, I don't know if you've ever heard that saying that time is more valuable than money of course i have yeah and it's like and like what you just said you know now you get to do all these other things that you've been wanting to do like coding and art and i've been wanting to like invest my time into things that i really want to do like i've been wanting to read some books i want i wanted to read this book on emotional maturity and spiritual maturity i wanted to invest my time in understanding the stock market and really investing my time into that because I really want to start investing and especially in this time and epidemic that's happening for a lot of people it just feels like it's never been a great attempt to invest into stocks and make a profit from that eventually so just investing my time into those kind of areas but yeah you know the other thing this whole thing has taught me is to hold the future loosely you know we tend to hold the future with a tight fist as if it never will change and it's for sure determined that it's going to be the way that we think it's going to be and if we do a ABC. This is this is the result, and so six months ago I told Nathan, man, I have three tier plan for how I'm going to go to this place that I've been wanting to. Bethel. Bethel. So I said, first, I'm going to get money through my student loans. That happened. Second, I'm going to get money through tax return. That happened. Third, I'm going to work the whole summer. And that was the least of my worries out of the, out of the three. And that tends to be now the one that's affected the most because of the coronavirus. So And because the oil industry and is the, and the oil crashing. Industry is crashing. So it's like you tend to, you tend to feel confident about your plans and your as your plans are like coming about and then you realize like you really don't have full control of what could happen and what's going to happen so the other thing i'm learning is to hold the future with a tight not with a tight fist but a loose fist and always offering it to god that when things change i'm okay you know but this is where i want to go but things can always change and to not be so to be flexible and not stiff you know i think that's what i've been reminded continuously about because even going to bethel now i'll hold that with a tight not a tight fist but a loose fist but i'll make every effort to go but it's just you know, are you glad that you didn't go to Bethel this year ah uh, that's a good question uh, because if you did might have been like you might have been trapped in California it's not a bad gig California's pretty nice I have a friend in California mm. uh, she's basically confined to her house oh well, okay maybe you're right then maybe it is a good thing I didn't go to California this year but yeah we'll see man we'll see where things go man I'm really like excited there's an opportunity man yeah I'm excited to just spend my time I'm gonna wake up eat breakfast read up, read up on stocks study the game hope we don't run out of food no no we won't we won't but if we do we have a bunch of food here what about you what's the before the next episode what's some things you want to get done or do uh i have more people that i need to get into contact with uh, i want to check up with them see how they're doing i want to start learning how to do HTML, JavaScript, maybe a bit of C Sharp, and I, I really want to get back to doing character design. Character design? Character design in art. That's good, man. You know what we should do for the, this podcast? What? We should have a character drawing of ourselves. I could do that. That'd be so cool. I was, I was just thinking that we could just like take a picture of ourselves. I'd be wearing a weird cyborg outfit, and you could just be wearing whatever you wanted and then we could have that be like a temporary profile picture and i feel like if we had a graphic profile pic that'd be better probably yeah that'd be cool if let's stick with the former idea as a temporary solution for now and then we'll graduate into that into the okay. more stylized look 
Okay. Well, you have time. To yeah, we have yeah. plenty. Well, not we. We don't have plenty of time. No, we have time. But we have time. We have more time mm -hmm. than we could have imagined. That's true. Do you think you were well prepared for this, even in a subtle way? <sighs> no, I didn't see this coming. Okay. Was I prepared? I think I think in some ways I was prepared, but did I see this coming? No. I was prepared in the sense that I think I've always had to adapt to things where unpredictable circumstances come up and you just have to like, you just have to kind of deal with it. Yeah. You know, and do something about it and change your plans and change the way you see things in that moment. And so my life, there's been patterns of that. So I think that has prepared me in some ways for this, but I never saw this coming. What about you? I kind of saw this coming. I think I'd uh, spoken before about how the stock market was going to crash. Mm. You told me that like a while ago. Yes, I did. Yeah. And now I and get I to say that I was right. How the heck did you see that? You did not see the coronavirus coming. I did not see the coronavirus coming though. <laughs> so, but you, but it was crashing before the coronavirus. It, it was, it was on the verge of crashing. The thing was like the market, it was too good. And the thing is with like markets that grow eventually they, they reach the top and they have to go down with, with the stock market in particular, it, it was reaching that point where it was near the top. And, and so like something was going to knock it down eventually. It just so happened that it, it, it occurred in the, in the middle of a pandemic. Yeah. But like, I, I knew that the stock market was going to crash. I knew that there was going to be this financial upheaval. I wasn't expecting it to happen this early in the year. Unfortunately, I, I kind of wish that I had gone out ahead and done my panic buying about a month earlier than everyone else. Mm. And now I'm, I'm out like $110 because of it. I, I had read uh, books on financial collapses that have happened in the past, what the psychological effect has been on people who've had to live through those kind of events. Well, what was that? I, I, I read this book called Hard Times, and it, it dealt with uh, the financial recession of 2008 and how it affected people in the States and the UK. Uh, and what happened with them back then was that people were less inclined to involve themselves in social events because they couldn't afford them anymore. They felt rather useless and hopeless about their circumstances, that things didn't really have a chance of getting better. It, it was it was fairly sobering to read that because obviously you're feeling for those people, but I, I could also see the signs happening in my own life whenever I've been fired from a job and like realizing I, I, I don't know when the next available opportunity to get paid is going to be. And, and so like, I need to be defensive always. And I, I would say having that defensive mindset, it gave me incentive to save during a time mm. when other people uh, were wanting to spend their paychecks. Uh, it gave me incentive to try and stock up for the future in a time when people weren't really thinking that way. And so I would say that in that sense, I was able to come up on top of most other people, but not, not as well as I would have liked. Well, what's the opportunities that you see moving forward? The opportunities that I see moving forward, yes. assuming we last that long, the stock market is going to continue to crash. You'll be able to pick up shares that were once uh, valued as $60, and you'll be able to purchase them for a dollar. If you do that, and if you hold on to those shares, then eventually, in a couple of years, when the market recovers... And you think it's going to take a couple of years? It's going to take a couple of years. As an example... We were looking at Air Canada, right? Yeah. yeah. So uh, their stock 
in, in the midst of the Great Recession, it went from like $40 a share down to less than a dollar per share. And eventually, it recovered to about $60 per share. And how long did that take? It took, I'm going to say, close to a decade for that to happen. It took a decade for them to recover. There. Recover to that point and exceed their original value. So if you are purchasing stocks, this isn't going to be something like you'll be able to slap down a dollar and then see immediate growth. It's going to take some time. But if, if I bought stocks, like at a th- imagine I bought a thousand stocks worth at a dollar. Well, the stock market is continuing to crash. So you're probably going to lose some money. Those stocks that were once worth a dollar tomorrow, they might be worth 80 cents. So what, what does that happen? What happens to the thousand dollars I put down? Then it turns into $800. Oh. Yes. However, if you're willing to stick it out for two or three more years, then the stock price might go up to, say, $350 per share. In that case, the stocks that you paid for $1,000 would be $3,000. $3,500, yes. And if it's, what if it goes back to $60 per share? If it goes back to $60 per share, then you get $60,000. That's crazy. Yes. But I have a question. What happens to like, like Apple and Amazon? I don't think they're going to crash that hard. Apple has crashed. Amazon. But not hard that they're going to go to a dollar per share. No. And so you've got to focus on industries that are crashing hard. Like Air Canada. Like Air Canada. Delta Airlines. Tourism industries. You think that you don't, you don't, do you think that, why wouldn't they recover fast if it's just the virus that has brought this epidemic? Uh, well, the thing is, like, after this is all over, people are going to be cautious, right? There might be some people who would be like, great, we can go on vacation now. And there might be some people who would be like, I don't really want to go on vacation because I don't want to go to a place where the virus might still exist. Or I don't want to go on vacation because my savings have been wiped out Mm -hmm. and I need to focus on saving a little money first before I can think of taking a, a trip down to Florida. Would you put all your money into one stock or one airline or one company or would you spread it out? It depends because if you put it in one company, then you're putting all of your eggs in one basket. And so let's say I put all of my money in Air Canada and the stock price goes so low that the company is now worthless and it has to close down because it can't afford to run itself anymore. I don't think that's going to happen personally, but it might. And so now you've lost all of your money on that one company. However, uh, let's say you spend $600 worth of money on stocks for Air Canada. You spend another $400 worth of stocks in something like Apple, which for the sake of argument, let's say it's worth $200 a share right now. And so your stocks in Air Canada may fail. Your stocks in Apple are probably going to be secure. But if you're looking to make that same amount of money, it's probably going to take a long time for you to recover your losses. So you play the long game. Yes. You always have to play the long game and you always have to be wise in which stocks you choose. If you think that the one company that you bet on, it has a chance of making a, a stellar recovery, then maybe that is worth trying out. And, but I also, okay, I wanna say right now, cause I plan to invest into Air Canada, and what, looking in their like history of six months, they were a very steady, steady, steady company. Yeah. And then when the coronavirus came, it kind of dropped. Crashed. Crashed. But what I'm saying is when the corona goes back, I think they're a strong enough company, Air Canada, that they're not only gonna recover, but they'll maybe proceed with, like they'll, 
recover at least to where they used to be. They will, but I don't think it would be good for them as a company for their stocks to immediately go back up to where they were. Why is that? Because the thing is with stocks is that the faster a stock rises, the harder it's going to crash. So that's what happened with the dot-com bubble back in 2000, uh, when all these startup companies in Silicon Valley, they started out uh, very valuable companies because everyone was interested in what they had to offer uh, in terms of internet capabilities. But once everyone realized that the companies themselves were rather worthless, or rather they, they weren't necessarily worthless, but they weren't worth the money that everyone was paying for those stocks. And what's more, some of those companies were engaging in shady business practices. And, and so that kind of accelerated things a little bit. So the way you make money in the stock market essentially is by selling your stocks. Yes. To other people that are interested in buying stuff. Yes. So my question is essentially the way you make money is that is it based on the company or by what people perceive in the value of the company? I would say in the short term, it's what people perceive as the value of the company. In the long term, it's always the company itself. So the thing is with most evil corporations, mm -hmm. eventually evil degrades, it decomposes and a toxic corporate culture is going to seep through their business practices, it's going to lead to some unethical decisions, which would probably end up damaging them. And th there, are, there are some companies that are able to get away with this, but the vast majority of them don't. The vast majority of them that are engaging in shady businesses practices or that mistreat their employees eventually they go down. And so you, you might want to invest in a company like, say, Electronic Arts, because they're highly profitable. Mo most people who know anything about the video game industry know that Electronic Arts isn't really a company that values its consumers or its employees. And I, I think in the long term, unless that company gets its act together, it's probably going to go downhill. It's, it's probably going to take its uh, shareholder value with it. So Apple right now, is a strong company. It is. Apple seems to have good values and it's always revisiting their values to meet cultural standards. Yes. So to people, a lot of people see Apple like a strong company because of that. But also it makes a lot of sales. So are people seeing the value of that company because of how much it sells? Because some companies make a lot of money, but they don't have good values. But Apple has tends to push out good values and it makes a lot of money. So do people invest into companies that just are making a lot of money? Or do people invest stocks into companies that are essentially just that have good values? I would say that most of the stockbrokers who are in the game of the stock market are in it to make money. And the vast majority of them don't necessarily care about the ethical practices of the companies that they're uh, buying stock in. Unless it affects it financially. Unless it affects it financially. And so like, let's say Tim Cook, he's uh, the current leader of Apple. Let's say that tomorrow the news uncovers a, a sex scandal about him and the share prices drop down. Why would that happen? It, I'm just putting that out as a hypothetical. No, example. it would happen though. It tends to happen somehow. We see that. Yeah, like uh, what happened with Warner Brothers a while back where I believe the president of that company uh, was embroiled in a sex scandal and so he had to resign. I'm putting that out as yeah, a hypothetical. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if that happened, 
then shareholders would probably try and get rid of their shares as quickly as possible. Not necessarily because they disagree with Apple having this kind of guy run their company Mm. from a moral perspective, but because the value of their shares is going down and because they don't want to... But how, what determines the values of the shares? What determines the values of the shares is it has to do with how well the company is performing. And so if the company... Ethically or like financially? Financially. So how does that sex scandal affect the financial performance? So let's say this sex scandal comes out, gains a lot of mainstream traction. People hear about it and they think to themselves, well, the leader of Apple, he's involved himself in the scandal. I don't really want to buy an iPhone anymore. I don't want to buy uh, a MacBook. And so because of that, then the sales for Apple, they start to go down. And because of that, the share price also goes down. Oh, interesting. Well, I hope uh, this this mini teaching of both stocks actually gave me a lot of clarity, but I hope that helps our listeners. It definitely went in a, a direction that I wasn't expecting. No, it was really good. I feel like this was so valuable. I hope you guys look into buying stocks. Maybe if you listen to this before the stocks go back up. So maybe. So your last word and last advice on is to wait, let it crash a bit more, let it go down a bit more before start buying stocks. I would say if you want to reap the greatest profits, then yes. However, the analogy I always use is imagine your favorite clothing store is going out of business and they're selling off this really desirable brand of jeans. How much do jeans normally cost? 30 bucks. 30 bucks. Okay. So let's say that the jeans are 50% off and now they're worth $15. Mm-hmm. And you think to yourself, wow, cool deal. I can uh, get these jeans for myself and I won't have to pay as much money. So you buy the jeans for $15 and then you come back the next day and you find out that the discount has gone even further down to 75%. And so now the jeans are worth, I believe, $7.50 per pair. And you, you might think to yourself, okay, I see the opportunity here. And so you buy as many jeans as you can for $7.50. You come back the next day and now they're being marked down to 90% off and they're worth $3. And you think to yourself, I've got to get as many of these jeans as I can. And so you buy all of the jeans. Now you could have waited until the time when it had all been marked down to 90% and you could have saved yourself a lot of money. But at the same time, you can take the jeans that you you do have and you can sell them for maybe $25 and you can still make a profit. And so the, the question is really like, how successful do you want to be at this game? Yeah, I, I do. I want to make 60 grand. Okay. You know, and I think people are panicking. People are trying to get their money back. There's a silly, silly meme that I saw on Instagram, I think, or someone said it to me and they said, broke people buy toilet paper. Yeah. Rich people buy stocks. Yeah. And it's just the way that we think. The difference between the poor and the rich is in our mentality. And it's a lot of poor people think on the level of survival. I just need to survive paycheck. But rich people are saying, how can I make my money make me money? And they're trying to think about investing. And I think that's such a wide gap of thinking. It's such a difference of thinking that I think a lot of us that are in the middle class or in the lower class or students need to think about how can our money make us money and investing might be the way out of the situation. Uh, it's not the only way, but I'm just saying that meme gives insight to how the world of a difference in thinking between the rich and the poor. So this is a great opportunity. And I would like to say lastly that 
they're not the same. The rich and the poor are not the same. No, they're not. They're not the same. And the difference is in the mind and it's in the mindset. It's not because the rich are just soulless corporate cash grabbing morons who want to like just guzzle as much money as they can. Yeah. Sometimes it's just and their mentality. You just see the way they see things are very different. And I think I used to laugh at people like that say, let's talk about the mindset. Like I used to talk to business people and they'd be Let's talk about your mindset first. And I used to laugh at them because I'm like, no, how do you make me money? I don't want to, I don't care about the mindset. You know, what were you thinking, man? I know. But now looking back, I'm thinking, you know, it is based on the mindset. But what I mean by mindset is how they perceive things, how they see things, how, how do they understand? What do they know? You know, and those things are more valuable than just money sometimes. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. So yeah, that's what I gotta say. So how much are you willing to commit to this, uh, stock option i'm gonna say right now i'm gonna put in maybe 2000 okay because eventually i just believe it's going up i think when the virus goes away life is going back to normal or jesus is coming back both ways it's bang or bang i don't think jesus is going to come back but do you think do you think things are going to get so much worse because it's just a coronavirus i think things are going to get worse for each passing day i think the virus is going to come and as soon as the vaccine comes things are going to go back up. maybe we can talk about that later in another episode. Yeah, well, I gotta go. Yeah. See you guys. This has been Because We're Not the Same, a podcast hosted, produced, and edited by Nathan Raymond Ray, and co-hosted by Samir McConan. To listen to more episodes, you can follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Verbal, iHeartRadio, or Podbean. You can also visit our Facebook page or our website, bwntscast.wordpress.com. If you're interested in coming on the show as a guest, feel free to reach out to us and we'll see about having you on. Thank you for listening.